0: I'm Mars Avila from Common Field, one of the organizers of What Now? Towards Artist-Led Movements, coming to you now to introduce the first session from this series of event recordings. The weekend-long gathering, beginning the afternoon of Friday, September 30th, opened with a welcome program that framed themes, introduced partners, and oriented attendees to on-site and virtual gathering spaces alike. You'll hear from Ken Workman, Duwamish tribal member and fifth generation grandson of Chief Seattle, who offered a grounding welcome and moving land acknowledgement, invoking the timescale of old growth trees. Designer and strategist Ying Lu shared principles of network organizing, grounding the event in how and why we come together. Elishaba Johnson introduced the work of Wanawari, which creates space for Black ownership, possibility, and belonging through art, historic preservation, and connection. V. Hua and Julie Cheng Shulman situated the gathering in Seattle's cultural organizing communities. And Sheetal Prajapathy, Crystal Baldos, Chris Tyler, and Modhawk Friend Show introduced Common Field and offered orientation and guidance to the space and experience ahead. Bye.
1: Um, our two lead Seattle organizers, V Hua and Julie C. Schulman, um, have been working with our entire team for, gosh, maybe a year, um, and it has been an, an exciting and really amazing experience to learn from them and with them about the work that's happening in Seattle, the people that are doing it, and being able to bring all that together. Um, so I'm gonna tell you a little bit about both of them. So V is a writer, filmmaker, and organizer. They are the editor-in-chief of the interdisciplinary arts publication, Redefine Magazine, the interim managing editor of the BIPOC-led media outlet, South Seattle Emerald, and the co-chair of the Seattle Arts Commission. They recently served as the executive director of Northwest Film Forum and recently released a short film in 2022 titled Reckless Spirits. Julie C is a veteran hip hop artist, a community organizer, and a multifaceted cultural worker who is really um, who has a knack for emergent strategy and creative disruption. Which I love those I love those phrases. Um, they are the founder of Seattle Artist Coalition for Equi- Equitable Development and the co-founder of On the Block and Forever Safe Spaces. Julie C. also teaches at Brainchild Learning Center, manages ads at South Seattle Emerald, and serves as a mentor at Blue Cone Studios, and sits on the governing council of Seattle's new cultural space agency. Um, we are just so happy and lucky to have been in collaboration with them um, for all of this time. And before I introduce Ken, um, who will lead our land acknowledgment today, I just wanna send a, share a gentle reminder for everybody that is here with us in Washington Hall to wear your mask while you're indoors. Our stage presenters may not wear their masks, but we ask that you try to stay masked throughout the space to keep everyone safe. And now, as we begin this weekend of gathering here and across the country, for all of you who are online with us today, we're honored to have Ken Workman to offer a land acknowledgment. Ken is a Native American from the Duwamish Tribe and fifth-generation grandson of Chief Seattle. Ken retired from the Boeing Company's Flight Operations Engineering Group, where he worked as a systems and data analyst. Ken is a Duwamish Tribal Council member and former president of the Duwamish Tribal Services, the nonprofit arm of the tribe. He is a former board member of the Duwamish River Cleanup Coalition and of the Southwest Seattle Historical Society. Please help me in welcoming Ken.
2: These words in our native language mean, it's good to see you, my friends. It's been a long time since we've been able to gather like this, and so it's an honor for me to be up here on the stage in Washington Hall and say these words, the same words that my grandfather, this person that the world knows as Chief Seattle spoke 170 years ago when he welcomed strangers to this land. He said something like this. He said, Come ashore, my friends. Come ashore onto this land of the ancient Duwamish." You are welcome here, my friends, on this land. And so, this is spoken in the ancient language of the people of the area the Duwamish, the Suquamish, the Snoqualmie, the people of the southern part of Puget Sound, of the Salish Sea. And these are the words that were taken from us so very long ago. And so, When I'm standing up here on a stage in front of the world and in front of you, this is something we couldn't always do. And until recently, we never hardly ever did it. And so it's my pleasure, it's my honor to stand before you here today and to repeat these words. These words are a part of the people of this place, this place known as Seattle. And in this place, We were colonized just a handful of years ago, just 170. That's that's barely two grandmas old in our vernacular. And so this place is brand new. And so when you're here in this place known as Seattle, and to all of those around the world who are wondering, what is this place, and who are these people? Well, we are the people that have been here for thousands and thousands of years. We're older than the pyramids. We're as old as the Ice Age, and we have stories about that. And so our connection to place is vital. And so Washington Hall is one of the newest buildings in Seattle as the settlers began to populate this area. And so here in this building, we have ancient timbers from original growth, and in those ancient timbers are the DNA of the Duwamish people. And we know this to be true because of the studies of a Dr. Susan Samard out of British Columbia, who has studied the migration of materials that are in the ground up through the roots of trees and into the trees and into the very timbers that this hall is built out of. And so when we talk about our people and we talk about our place, this hall, this particular place that we're in and celebrating this today is of particular importance. And so I'll conclude with the words that my grandfather spoke just a handful of miles away from here, at this Washington Hall, when he said, Slalil, come ashore. Come ashore, my friends, onto this ancient land of the Duwamish. o adisha te That all people from around the world are welcome here. And these are the words that the Duwamish people say today. So thank you.
3: Hello, everyone. Thank you so much to Ken for giving that amazing land acknowledgement and for gracing us with such knowledge. Yeah,
4: there's um, especially, I just want to name being in this space, Washington Hall, to which my very much newer relationship, right, to the the planks, to the bones of this building um, is still real meaningful. I want to point out here that we have set up an altar for those that we have um, lost recently And I wanted to name Ratwa uh, of Hidmo as part of that. Uh, Yeah. Thank you. Feel free to um, you know leave an offering, take an offering, add your own um, peoples to this throughout the weekend as uh, you see fit.
3: I did also want to mention following Ken's land acknowledgement. uh, I'm going to step out over here. Today is a national day of um, truth and reconciliation. It is a Canadian holiday, but it has repercussions in the United States as well, and it's about recognizing the damage of residential schools upon Native communities, uh, which continue to be impactful today. Uh, So I encourage you to look it up, and there is a Supreme Court case coming up about the Indian Child Welfare Act, so there's like things happening in Indian country that people don't talk about, uh, so I just wanted to uplift that. That aside, I was gonna pass it over to Julie to welcome Ying.
4: And just real quickly, I don't know if y'all up there, can you tilt it down so we can see the folks on the Zoom real quickly? Because I did want to acknowledge that we have people in um, that are participating virtually that are part of the conversation. And so thank y'all for joining us at whatever capacity. We will be trying to build a more interactive experience for y'all on the Discord. So if you haven't connected yet to that, um, I hope you do. I may be a little bit, Uh, out of order, but I think to set the context for Ying, um, I was really excited to be asked by v to help to participate in the organizing of this. And and we found out about a week later that Common Field as an organization will actually be sunsetting. And this is a concept that really intrigued me as we move into this next era of what is organizing, right? And what do more decentralized movements look like? And so that's why um, I'm really excited to have Ying joining us um, is an amazing uh, facilitator, an artist uh, that I connected to directly from community and um, gift economy um, relationship building that they do out in the field, but also has some um, great framing as far as what does the work of um, connecting look like in a world post organizations, so yeah.
5: Hi, everyone. It's an honor to be here and to participate in this collective. My name is Ying. I'm a mother, a printmaker, and I run a creative residency called The Original Mind out um, in the Cascade Hills in North Bend, Washington, and that's where I met Julie, who invited me to this. So I want to speak to you a little bit about sort of the why and how of the future of collaboration. Can you advance the slide? I'm not sure, uh-huh, no, that's, sorry, a couple back. I'm not sure where I should be pointing this. <laughs> okay, we can, we can start here. So yeah, this is uh, um, by an artist called Katie Miller who uh, went on a retreat at Original Mind. So I want to say, basically, artists have always been on the forefront of social organization. Um, patterns, right, and including the way of impact networks. And so I'm really glad that tomorrow we're going to have some more conversations about what's the sort of future of or organizing, because we can all see that what has got us here, right, collectively, isn't going to take us further in a good way. So. Artists have not always known what decentralized, distributed collaboration can be like. Because like the art process itself, it's emergent, it's messy, but it's also extremely exciting. And that's where the creative juice from life itself comes into all of us. So, I don't really need to tell you that much about the complexity that we're all part of, right? We are all swimming in complexity and surrendering to complexity. So what gives me hope is always to have a how of, in some ways, building toward the future we want, right? Not just dwelling in what's not working. and. We all know the why of why we, we make art and why we work with like-minded people, but the question I want to address more is the how. Next slide, please. Ah. So um, in many ways, networks are how nature organizes and where you stand in a network, everything looks different, just like this piece of art, right? So intelligence comes from every node and every perspective, and it's not a centralized pattern. And go ahead and advance. I do have a lot of content to cover, so I'll try to go pretty quickly. So first, network approach is not what you think of as sort of business networking, right? Um, it's important to sort of know what each other's um, capacities are, but this goes much deeper. This really goes to the full selves, so the, wh- the, the wholeness of each and every one of us, and how collectively we're always more than each part. Go ahead, and go to the next slide. So we know that so many parts in nature are organized like networks, right? The neural networks, we know that the roots under the trees with the assistance of the mycorrhizal systems and bacteria is more complex than our brain systems. And it functions just like brains under the forest canopy. Next slide. Yes, so the mycorrhizal systems, right? We see so many things with the same patterns, just like trees, right? Micro to macro and so on and so forth. Go ahead and advance. Not sure if I can do it myself. Um, So watersheds, right? They look just like placentas, right? Whether it's water and earth or blood and flesh, it moves nutrients to where it needs to go. And so it's just really amazing how we can organize ourselves a little bit more so that the energy can flow to where it needs to go. Next slide. Uh, Internet systems also, right? This is not so dissimilar to the mycorrhizal systems we saw a moment ago. Next slide, please so we all know that human uh, collaborations can be structured in this way too this is a linkedin network with one person at the center but what would it be like if it's instead of one person at the center is actually a purpose at the center next slide so humans have always organized essentially collectively, right? We're actually more convivial than many, many um, nature mechanisms that we know about, like ants, right? Like we actually congregate in these big cities and there's a good reason for that. And we want to work together. We want to gather around the fire, like a tribe. Thanks one. And the question, I'm sorry, like the text, some of the text is blocked, but the question to us is always, what can we do together that we cannot do alone? What can we do together that we cannot do alone? And I think that's always good questions for collectives like this one that gather for time. How do you carry that energy that is built up going forward? And how can you actually support each other in what you are already doing? And how can you generate new projects that were not possible prior? Next, next please. so I'm part of a collective called Converge. Um, I'm a facilitator and convener, and we are a network ourselves. We're not a company or a nonprofit, but we come together and work together to support other impact networks to do the things that each organization or leader cannot do alone. So there's a book by this name. I gave V a couple of copies, and maybe some of you would uh, ta- be able to take away one, but in any case, it's also available anywhere books are sold. Go ahead to the next one. So, I want to share with you some of the core um, uh, knowledge, insights from from that. So, I want to say a little bit about how networks form, right? Initially, it may be a loose group of people who um, come together for some things, right? So, you can see there may be connections between them. Um, It's maybe a little bit thing. Next slide, please. And then eventually there may be kind of a a hub-and-spoke model, right, where certain people come to kind of a leadership position, and they um, essentially become sort of the source of information dissemination, and also decision-making. And this is well and good for some things, but it, it lacks resilience, right? What if that person goes away, or if that person becomes corrupted in some way? Next slide. And as networks get more dense, essentially multiple networks kind of form in this way, right? They form essentially project teams or, or mechanisms that come together for a while for a particular purpose and then dissipates as necessary. However, there is still a larger collective sort of co- connecting them all. Next, please. So eventually, a healthy network kind of looks like this, right? So there's a core group up in the middle, and the colors may denote what sort of uh, main uh, task area or or projects that they they are on, but they are well connected to each other. And there is also in the periphery a looser learning network, typically around such an action network. And the network, because of the density of the web of relationships, has a great deal of resilience. Yeah, it does not rely on a single person and so on. And it has a natural way of getting the energy and the information and the resources to where it should go. So I, I want to give you some mental models for recognizing uh, what networks can feel like and to facilitate your own networks. I, I know you are all participate in many, we all do. So knowing some of these patterns can be helpful to support the success of the networks you're a part of, including this one. Next, please. Um, So hierarchies are not the same thing as networks, right? We all know how most organisms, uh, uh, most uh, uh, human-made systems are are quite hierarchical today, right? That's a capitalist system, companies, and um, government structures, and so on and so forth. So that is different from networks. Go ahead, Vince. However, there are purposes to hierarchies at times, and this is simply a different visualization of hierarchies that's on the right. It doesn't mean that it actually becomes decentralized. It's still a centralized power-based system. Go ahead and advance. However, hierarchies can actually be very useful when it's a simple enough problem to be solved, right? It's very successful in carrying out particular linear approaches. For example, I come from China. The um, high-speed railway system can be accomplished and and created much faster in a country like China than it can be in the United States, right? It can be highly efficient for some things. However, um, when we are in a complex system like now and working towards things like social transformation, we need something that's fundamentally different. Go ahead and Vince. So what, what we need is sometimes for simple problems to have hierarchies, but for complex problems and situations to have networks. Next slide, please. Um, Another example uh, is, or analogy, is to say a hierarchy is kind of like what's on the left, right, a a, a rowing team. And what's on the right is a flotilla of kayaks, where everyone has their own sovereignty and autonomy. But you can actually go together and explore more spaces more efficiently than what a centralized mechanism can do. Next slide, please. Um, Another analogy is instead of executing, you know, an engineering plan like that, which again, hierarchy has its place, it's more like curating a garden, right? You create the conditions so that things can flourish, but you do not control what comes up or what actually flourishes. So there's a lot of letting go in that position of the gardener or the network leader. Your role is one of service leadership. Next, please. What's going on? Okay, Oh, uh, yeah, uh, go ahead and pass this one. I just, I, I know I am uh, have a lot to share, so it's a murmuration. I'm sure you all have all seen this video. Go ahead and advance the next one. The thing about murmurations is that each bird actually follows the seven closest ones, and that's all it does, and in many ways. Um, We do that as well. We actually all go toward the people that we have the connection with in a complex working structure, right, in a network. But what happens is that it seems like the overall mechanism has an intelligence, right? When you see a, a flock of birds or fish, it's as if it's one organism. And it's part of the magic of life. Next, please. Yeah, go ahead and advance. (laughs) It's lovely, but I I want to cover a little bit more content. So yeah, I'll share a little bit about the network mindset. Um, You know, everything has to do with how we perceive the world, right? We replicate in reality what we understand. So some of the network mindset is that mission and not the organization. You put the purpose at the center instead of the particular um, uh, you know, uh, organization or the leader at the center. Node, not hub. Similarly, distributed, decentralized way of moving information. Humility, not brand. So how can you be of service to all of the network? And trust, not control is a super important one. Um, is if you trust the people you're with, you let them do what they are wired to do in, in, in big and small ways, and, but that's how you let the intelligence of the collective to emerge. And all of these are dynamic tensions, which means it doesn't get resolved once and for all. It will come up again and again. These are alive tensions, And how to, how to surf that is actually where the energy comes. Next, please. Yeah, so a little bit about network leadership. So everyone in the, in the network, every node can be a leader, but there are also particular uh, mindsets, who people who are called specifically to provide this kind of leadership role. Uh, go ahead, Vince. Um, we actually have often found in our network facilitation that those with a creative background, especially performing arts creative background, often serve very, very well as network leaders because they're so used to emergence and they're also so used to making everyone there feel seen and, and basically uh, they make everyone else look good. And that is really how a network leader should be. Um, so yeah, just to just to share, like uh, inside of the organization at the center, it's actually a purpose at the center. And I know many of you are with arts organizations, so um, you know it's a struggle, right, for an organization to survive. However, it's a different way of existing when you put the purpose at the center, and you're a part of the collective that that serves that purpose. It it it's a it's but it's also simply the necessary way to move forward. Because we 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 can't go very far with the previous ways of non-profits and so on. Next slide, please. Yeah, go ahead and keep advancing. Um, yeah, so I, I think I will end on, on this slide, and this is really the sort of the core of what the network approach is. It's what we call the five Cs. So first you bring together the sort of, you clarify the purpose and principles, like what, why do we care about this particular issue, right? There's a reason why you have the same or similar kind of fire, right? There's so many things that we can do. We all have the problem of riches, but. If you're connected to a particular purpose, that's ultimately the thing that's gonna keep people coming back. Convene the people. It's not only the people who are, um, have stakeholder relationship to the, to the issue, it's also the people who are impacted, right? It's also the people who are already doing existing interesting work in that space. You want to convene them because you want to have the, the right people at the table and sufficient diversity and all of that. And then you want to cultivate sufficient trust between uh, among all of them, and to give you a small example. Um one of the keystone projects for Converge was a Santa Cruz Mountain Stewardship Network. So there may be timber companies, there's native land tribes, there are preservation organizations. So how do you get these people with opposing agendas, right, to talk together? So one of the ways to cultivate trust is something we call true stories, which is basically connecting to something as a human being, one to another. So in that particular situation, the story essentially was, what did you feel as a child in these redwoods? And that connected everyone because they all had a certain, certain experience that in the redwoods as a, as a young person that they can all remember. And they all want their children and grandchildren to have that experience. So um, there is ability to cultivate trust despite your possibly op- opposing views. And then you want to support each other in the current actions, in what people are already doing, because that's how you actually have the trust of collaboration. You get to know each other, you get to know their messiness and so on, and you get to know their problem space. And lastly, you collaborate for system change, right? When you have sufficient sort of web of relationship, the density, then you can actually create, you, you can do more audacious goals together, yeah? And there's plenty of things to work on. I know we can all feel that. So I wanted to give you a bit of the sense of sort of the progression. Now, of course, this is not linear. It's a spiral process like so many things. So I hope uh, that gives you a little bit of the sense of how networks like this one can be and, and some food for thought for later. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Ying. Uh, encourage you all to network with one another so that we can actually grow something out of this. And don't be shy. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Um, cool. So we just wanted to bring up some folks who we organized this event with. When we call up a uh, Randy and Anne and Alicia, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not in that order. Um, but these are three of our advisors early on in the. Partners. I honestly don't know what language we're using now. Advisors, partners, friends. Um, and uh, they were part of the early conversations when uh, I was organizing it with Common Field before I brought in Julie. And then after bringing in Julie, we kind of uh, brought in additional advisors from the community. Do you want to speak a little bit about that? No? <laughs> yeah, I mean,
4: we, don't, we don't I'm just, it's always an honor to work with so much. I feel like Seattle is, is a really inspiring and fertile place for, for this kind of organizing, for arts and, and cultural-led organizing. Um, backpacking off of Ying's whole presentation, um, the, after the initial a- advisory group, um, we were really excited that, that folks were interested in having additional you know, perspectives as a part, and so we convened a local committee that I think that we have a list of names on here, because I don't know if I could do it off the top of my head. But what we wanted to do, which we wanted to bring together the the network nodes, right? The folks that we know is out here doing this work and building the connectivity across and through this work. Um, So the presenters and the folks that are participating in conversations across this weekend, I hope that you all will get to connect with as well and build relationships with not just on a um, hearing and listening and, and consuming, but in a, in an exchange, in dialogue, and in um, in an e- ecological fashion.
1: Thank you.
3: Yes. Um, and then I guess we want to bring up Elisa to speak a little bit about Wanawari. Yeah. Were you prepared for that? Speaking up. <laughs> of...
6: <laughs> Hi. Um, it... It's nice to see people I know and people I don't know. I'm Alicia Johnson. I'm one of four co-founders of Wanawari. Um, The rest of our co-founders are Inye Wakoma, Rachel Friedberg, and Jill... Jill Friedberg and Rachel Gessler. And we're four artists that got together um, three and a half years ago and wanted to see what it would look like if artists could... um, if we could use arts and culture to stop the displacement of black people from historically black communities. So we rent um, Inye Wacoma's grandparents' home um, in the Central District. Um, You're welcome to come. Um, and we give it back to the black community as an arts and cultural center. So we do everything from uh, quarterly art exhibitions. We have one closing this weekend, so you come by. Music shows, which we have tonight as part of the conference, um, dance theater, um, you name it. And we just also open it up, like I said, for the community to envision how to use the space from, uh, we have chefs giving out free food, over uh, 300 meals a week to people um, in the community as well for free. Um, And then we do organizing. So CASE 21, which stands for the Central Area Ecosystem for the 21st Century. Um, is work that we do working with black homeowners on strategies for them to be able to stay in their homes. So just a month ago, we had our first black homeowner um, get together and we had about over 30 people who didn't even know that they were still in the neighborhood together. Um, So we do organizing and arts and culture together. Um, And so this is obviously artist-led movements are kind of at the bedrock of what we think we do. Um, reach out to us to collaborate. And I'm gonna kick it off back to um, Sheetle and um, Crystal. Thank you.
1: Can we just get one more round of applause for all of our partners? Uh, We've been, as Julie said, we've been working with a lot of people here in Seattle that Julie and V have just brought so many people together to make this happen but i do want to shout out to this crew because we have been in conversation with them for almost two years and they kept the they kept the fire going for us to bring in more people so thank you all very much
7: hi everybody i'm crystal i'm the administrative manager with common field um So, Common Field has been a strong advocate for an art world that is artist-centered, believing in democratizing access and providing artists with a tangible support system. We have done this by connecting people through creating a network of independent arts organizations and cultural workers. We focused on supporting voices on the local level, having annual convenings in different areas around the country, Creating much needed space for different perspectives in the art field. These voices are essential to our broader collective reimagining of what a truly diverse field could and should look like and how we can get there. By adopting a regional sub- approach, listening to the folks on the ground, and sharing local histories, we are able to create a national network of voices and stories amplifying those views that often live in the peripheries. These conversations are imperative to our creation of a more inclusive art world, not to mention world. While Common Field's time is coming to a close, we believe this network can and will endure. Gatherings such as this that bring us all here together, on site and online, are what start the conversation. Being together creates a platform for us to ponder the urgent questions that need to be asked and plan for viable solutions. Being together allows us to dive deeper into arts power to drive positive social change, to create an art world that is social justice focused. Common Field is and has been a springboard. It's the people, all of us here together, while continuing to continue who continue to keep these conversations going, and we trust that we will continue to do the work regardless of where our journeys take us next. We are confident that we can all keep this momentum going, working in different and new ways to level the field, to democratize it. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Crystal. It's been mentioned a few times that uh, Common Field is coming to a close. And I wanna take a moment uh, to just talk a little bit about that. This event marks our last gathering. Um, We will be closing in December 2022 as an organization. The last two years for us and our team and our board have been a process of self-reflection, Um, repair and restoration together. And we see this gathering as a light in our long journey. As I mentioned, this event was conceived of for almost two years. We developed it with elders in our field, community organizers, artists, and advisors, all based here in Seattle. And this gathering was organized with community at its heart while also being informed by our closure and the ending of this organization. And I want to share our deep, deep gratitude for our Seattle organizers and partners who have stayed with us, supported us, and trusted us during this transition and welcomed us here in Seattle even after our organization made a very, very big decision. Though sunsetting has been a hard decision to make, we know that it was the right one, and it has allowed us to move through this process with real intentionality and care. Um, We hope that this gathering is a demonstration of that intentionality and care, and we hope that this weekend brings each of you inspiration, ideas, and hopes for the future of our creative work. In the ending of Common Field, we want to believe that here together and beyond we can dream with you and think about what's next for artists as change makers in our field and finally i would like to take a minute to express my gratitude and the gratitude we should all show for our common field team um our main producers mod and mars you will see running around have really led the charge and making all of this possible And a shout out to Chris, our Associate Director, who you're gonna be hearing from very shortly, and Crystal, who was just up here. uh, Together, this team of four people, along with me, uh, we have been through a lot together, and it is really, really amazing and wonderful to be able to be here and celebrate all the great work this team has done to be together now. And um, I hope that all of our hopes and dreams for this gathering um, come to realization. And as uh, V has said, uh, we want you all to connect with each other because we really want this weekend to feel like a springboard for what's next. And with that, I invite Chris Tyler, our Associate Director of Communications and Operations, to share a few words about today's event.
8: Thank you. Hi everyone. Uh, My name is Chris Tyler, and this is actually my fourth gathering with common field. I attended the first in person in 2019, and then I worked on two online the following two years. And now I am here in person and online with all of you in 2022. So we're currently producing parts of this program live right here in Washington hall from Seattle central district. And we are also producing a concurrent and sometimes overlapping program online for national and I think also based on some of the registration info international uh, network of arts workers and organizers. And this hybrid choice was a very, very intentional one with both the accessibility and safety of travel in the midst of an ongoing pandemic as central considerations in the organizing process. So while the in-person programs are meant to engage local and regional arts organizers who live within driving distance of Washington Hall, our online programs, in turn, are meant to bring local and national voices together in conversation for this broader network. And so our virtual program is going to include both Zoom-based participatory meetings and conversations, as well as some live stream programs, such as this one, broadcast directly from Washington Hall, And some of these Zoom sessions will also be screened in here, such as the next session that comes after this one. Um, We'll also be using email and Discord to communicate with attendees. And Jack Smith, who is a Seattle-based organizer, has very graciously and generously set up our Discord channel for us. And Jack is going to speak to you a little bit more about that platform as a interface for communication. So please join me in welcoming Jack Smith.
9: Hello, my name is Jack Smith and I'm uh, here today to talk to you about Discord. Uh, some of its features, why it's so great, and uh, how we're using it with uh, the common field events happening uh, here in Seattle today. Um, So yes, uh, there is a Discord server and it is accessible. Um, We have a QR code by the registration booth towards the back and it is also on the scheduling uh, pamphlet. Discord. Discord is really, really, really great and uh, part of the reason why it's so great is because it's extremely accessible. Uh, It's on iPhone, it's on Android, it's on computer, it's on the web browsers for all three, as well as Xbox, which is wild. So it's very, very accessible. Um, Part of the uses of Discord is to kind of organize uh, ways we can network and communicate with folks. So there's text channels voice channels and' there's sharing screens and there and and, and and videos and and media and you can all organize that very intuitively and collaboratively with with uh, all the folks in the in the server that you're with um, so we have a we have once again a uh, what now discord server uh, and 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 uh, I, I think uh, I think that's that's all I can remember that I was planning on saying. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it on to my friend V over here. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Jack. Whoa. Uh, for figuring out technology I don't understand um, just really quickly if anyone has anything they would like to promote or talk about we have this thing called the hot seat if you're around tomorrow there's sign-ups at the front desk uh, so it's like brief pitches three minutes you can say a poem you can like talk about your new film or poem or whatever um, show some art off um, so just sign up up there if you would like to do that it's between two thirty and 4 30 tomorrow okay hi mod
10: Hi everyone, I'm Maude. I'm so happy to be back in Seattle. Um, I'm just gonna quickly review the access agreements, community care agreements, and incident reporting process, both for in-person here and online for these folks. So in this event, we're striving to facilitate a welcoming and supportive space for folks across abilities, genders, identities, and geographies. So we have live captioning and ASL interpretation in each each program across the weekends. Thank you so much to all of the captioners and interpreters who are doing this work, and to the tech team that is putting it together and making it happen. Um, If you're joining us online, you can access captions by pressing the CC button at the bottom of your window and turning on captions. Um, and pinning the person with ASL interpreter in their name if they're not already spotlit. Washington Hall, our main in-person venue is an ADA compliant space. There's a front stair entry as well as a side elevator entry into the main hall and up to the mezzanine level and the stage um, for those who are gonna be presenting or taking part in the hot seat. Later this evening at Wanawari, uh, there's a curb cut to a stair entry and access to the backyard is both up a grassy hill around the side and through the space itself and then tomorrow night off-site at northwest film forum um, it's another ada compliant venue and they also offer um, audio assist devices by request and you can reach out to them there's contact information on our website and theirs uh, for that a quick reminder that Um, In-person gathering venues are all requiring masks indoors, and we have masks available at the Welcome Desk if you need one. Um, If you need space to rest or process any of the content in this space, or if there is an incident of any kind, care for yourself or your loved ones, please reach out to one of us with an event badge or go see the Welcome Help Desk and we will find a space in the green room for you uh, to take that space. Um, As well, if you have any requests for accommodations, you can also grab one of us, um, connect at the Welcome Desk or always reach out to one of us using the um, Help uh, channel on Discord or DM us. Um, I want to quickly review as well our um, community care agreements. This, the full text is on our website. I just want to hit the, the top notes here um, and, and ask you all to, to find that on, online. So these agreements include holding our own accountability, remembering that inequity is systemic, employing inclusive language and resources, having fun, and taking breaks. Um, In order to hold these agreements, we have an incident response plan. So if something happens in this space, um, if if these agreements aren't met or there are comments or actions that aren't in alignment, please let us know. Through those same um, avenues, you can grab someone with a tag. You can go to the welcome desk. You can hit us on Discord. You can DM us. Or if you're online, you can use chat. And we will connect with both those who are initiating the incident and those who've been affected, find space, um, and work through it. If there's anyone trolling or causing harm on purpose, that's immediately out, um, and otherwise, we're going to work through the community care agreements and talk with folks. I'm going to hand it back over to Sheethal. Thank you all so much. Thank you so much, Maud. and
1: uh, it's always a good reminder that we are here with each other, and to always remember that as we share our feelings and thoughts. And uh, as Maud said, our staff is here for you all, so please don't feel shy to come talk to us. Um, schedule's adjusted a little bit. You probably noticed the time. We are gonna start Olisa's session at 4.45. So you will have a little time between the end of this and that session. Um, so just to end, I wanna thank a few people and organizations that uh, helped make this possible. Uh, our funders, uh, we wanna thank For Culture, we wanna thank the National Endowment for the Arts and the Andy, Visual, uh, Andy Warhol Foundation for Visual Arts. It's a mouthful. Uh, All of them provided financial support for this gathering, including support for our regional support fund, which was a pot of money that we allocated to uh, local attendees who might need some support in being able to come here today and be with us. Um, uh, Special thanks to Wanawari and Northwest Film Forum, who are gonna be hosting amazing events tonight and tomorrow. And a shout out to Jack Straw Cultural Center here in Seattle, who's gonna be capturing audio documentation for the entire event and uh, now I think we can actually like get get this show started so the next session that will ha- take place here at 445 is with Olisa Enrico. And, and it will be on connecting through introspection and reflections this will begin at 445 and this session has been moved online but we will be live streaming it right here in Washington Hall So all of you that are here, stick around, take a bathroom break, come back and join us for this um, opening session. And following Olisa's session, as uh, Alishaba mentioned, uh, we hope that you'll join us at Wanawari at 7 p.m. this evening for Backyard Boogie, um, featuring musician Josh Nucci. Um, It's okay if you didn't RSVP in advance, we welcome you to show up this evening. if you're getting dinner on your own before going to Wanawari and you're new to this area uh, I've been told by our Seattle partners that you can't go wrong with Ethiopian restaurants in the area so uh, that sounds very exciting to me um, and with that I am gonna give us a little break and we will start our next session at 4:45. thank you <laughs>
8: Hello, I'm Chris Tyler from Common Field. Thank you for listening to this recording from What Now? Towards Artist-Led Movements, which took place at Washington Hall in Seattle's Central District and online from Friday, September 30th through Sunday, October 2nd, 2022. Lead organizers Vi Hua and Julie Chang Schulman programmed many of these sessions, and partners Ba Johnson, Randy Engstrom, and Ann Folk helped shape the ideas and aspirations of this gathering and many presenters, advisors, and other local culture bearers had integral roles in the development and making of this event. We would like to thank you, our listeners, as well as our partners, presenters, advisors, project team, staff, board, and supporters for making Common Field's final gathering so thoughtful and enduring. What Now was made possible through the support of our funders, including For Culture, the National Endowment for the Arts and the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts. We'd also like to thank Josh Nucci and his fellow musicians for contributing the grooves you heard in this episode. We would also like to thank our documentary partner Jack Straw Cultural Center for producing and hosting these recordings. We invite you to browse the rest of the What Now audio archive at jackstraw.org. That's j-a-c-k Straw.org.